What's up, guys? This is Alexander Juan Antonio Cortez. This is the Art of Health podcast, and I have with me the lovely Dr. Keller Burroughs. And a bit of a different subject for this podcast. Uh, her and I have already been chatting for a while now, but I want to talk about the modern dating market and basically everything that sort of young men and young women sort of go wrong at. And this was inspired by a conversation I had with a young lady that contacted me where I was trying to help her sort of matchmake and figure out what kind of guy she was looking for. And she herself had no idea what she actually had to offer somebody. Um, she could, in regards to dating, she could only sort of name traits that she wanted. <laughs> and this kind of, I, I was talking about the Taylor, but this kind of embodied to, like to me, um, the general sort of like malaise, like perfect sort of like gap between men and women today where people have lists of things that they want or right. they think they want, and they have no definition really to who they are. They have no definition to really what the other person's like real qualities, values are. It's sort of just like a checklist. It's a very stereotypical like laundry list of the stuff. And <laughs> both men and women do this, and it results in a lot of misunderstanding and sort of just general struggle with trying to get to know someone in general. Since you're not really trying to, I think, get to know them, you're trying to find someone that just checks boxes. So, Taylor, how are you doing? I'm doing great. This is exciting to do another follow-up podcast with you. So mm -hmm. like a year later. <laughs> a year later. Yeah. So we had some, we had two good ones before. And so your business has, has shifted like the past year where I, I think anyway, it seems like you work with a lot of young women now in regards to sort of you know, sorting themselves out in the feminine end. Um, I, I, I told someone you're kind of like a femininity coach the other day, which I thought was a good description. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but I know I recommend a lot of people to talk to you. But so what's, what's your experience been, I guess, like with dating and people trying to get relationships to work from like that very basic ground level of like talking to someone from the outset? Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of um, young women. Well, not a lot. I would like to have more women on my caseload. You know, it's usually women who are post-divorce or in their 30s already, and they are kind of coming out of this disillusionment about you know, the feminism, um, consequences of feminism on their life and realizing that they weren't happy or they picked the wrong partner. And so trying to, to deconstruct what they thought femininity was or what they thought mm -hmm. a strong, powerful, successful woman should be, and then getting back to the foundation of you attract the, the, the right man by being the woman that you need to be and, and mm -hmm. being happy and content there. Um, so there are a lot of men that I speak to. Uh, I would say actually the majority, it's probably about 80% is men that, that, that I speak that to. Good. That is good. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm trying to figure out what the reason is, but I find that I have a good balance of both perspectives, like a feminine mm -hmm. perspective and understanding the male side, or at least having a, a reasonable, logical <laughs> way of being. And maybe because, I don't know. I mean, maybe they want a female perspective, but I find women have a harder time with criticism and being honest about sort of, you know, analyzing themselves and looking at their weaknesses, which is kind of what you're saying is mm -hmm. before when we were talking about putting this laundry list out for a partner, but then when you put it, like, think about for yourself, what are you bringing to the table? They get stumped. Yeah. Like, I mean, you've, and you've probably maybe seen some like the Instagram videos that I posted where like women will ask questions like this, that with guys dating. What about this guy? And I always, I always preface with that where I like, yeah, you may for me say that. Like I'll, I'll tell them like, I'm going to be mean right now. This is not judgmental. This is not a life, you know, assessment, but like, it's going to sound harsh, but you are, you know, being delusional. You have, you've way overestimated <laughs> like you, how attractive you think you are. So on and so forth. But yeah, women, I, I don't, I mean, I could say like, Oh, it's God's piece of feminism, but, I mean, women, I, I obviously are always just more sensitive to criticism just in general just by sake of usually being more felt emotional and how they um, perceive reality. But that's something that I've, has really struck me is that like when I actually will have a conversation with some young ladies and they, they'll message me like, hey, can you like help me with this? Like sincerely, um, they are trying to always sort of analyze the situation where it's outside looking in. You are, you know, they are, so I say inside looking out where they're looking at like, okay, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to date trying to find this kind of guy or what I think is the kind of guy I want. And they're looking at all the other factors, but they're not, they never actually look at themselves mm -hmm. and what their behavior is. Like that takes it, that getting to that juncture sort of takes a big push. Um, 
Yeah, and, and I've realized, like, in regards to dating like, for women, or maybe even, like, when you're trying to analyze, like, why a marriage went wrong, that self-honesty of, like, being able to look at yourself, you know, quote, in the proverbial mirror, and yeah. sort of, like, go through your, your flaws and you know, your, your pros and cons, and, like, what you did and the consequences thereof. Uh, that's, that, I mean, that's difficult for anyone, but that's especially difficult for women. And there is sort of that cultural sentiment as well that's, that's I mean, it's like the very cliche sort of girl power, like, girl femme empowerment stuff. Like, you deserve an amazing guy. You, know, you deserve an amazing guy. He wasn't good enough for you. You'll find better. Um, yeah, like the, it's all like very like magical thinking. Yeah, there's, mm-hmm. there's no real ob- objectivity to any of it. And, and it is kind of this projection of almost like the, the version of like a trophy husband or a trophy boyfriend, right? That they're trying to create in this uh, imagination of theirs when they're not actually looking at what do they bring to the table? What, what, what is that the compliment of? Because if it's a good match, mm-hmm. then you should be complimentary. You're going to have similarities that create that sort of um, easygoing system that's flowing and working well. And then the, the differences that make it interesting and create that texture. But if it's just an arbitrary sort of projection of what you think society tells you is a good man, then it might not be anywhere near what you need in order to be happy in a relationship. So you have to have that first step of really looking at yourself and developing yourself through self-awareness and self-improvement. Well, the irony I find is that on a certain level, um, it's sort of like this dialectal opposite where one could complain like, you know, men objectify women. The, the list uh, sort of, uh, let's say practice, that tendency towards making a list yeah, I find that on a certain level, it's sort of like an objectification of men. Not in a malicious way, obviously, but it's like, all right, what's a man? A man is these 58 things I want. And he's supposed to be, you know, tall and good looking, make six figures, and like, you know, the, um, and, and fuck like a porn star. And, you know, just it sort of goes on and on. None of that really speaks to the person as an individual at all. It's just, it's a list. You know, if, <laughs> if I had like, you know, my infamous, you know, series of tweets with a list, like I want a girl that's, you know, thin and pretty and dresses this way and that way and acts this way and that way. I'm like, you know, on a certain level, like, yeah, that, that's a, that, those are not unreasonable things to desire necessarily. Does that actually inform you about the person in regards to their character or in regards to, like, their personality? Like, do we actually get along? Uh, you know, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. You know, but using that as, like, a metric, one could if they're perceptive. But if you're just going to go off of these traits that you like or that you think are going to be valuable to you, that's not a relationship at all. And if you're in a position where you actually want, I want a relationship. Okay. You don't, you don't just want something where it's just a person giving you attention or if it's just, you know, purely casual, you want an actual relationship. So mm-hmm. you know, what is your actual personality? And like, what, what do you want for the future? And then you're up to that person, you know, them to you, what are you actually doing for them? And that question never gets asked. Yeah. It's interesting because I, it's almost like a way of being right. Like you have to, you have to know or ask yourself, how will you know when you're spending time with a person building something valuable with them, which is the relationship? Because it's so easy to just spend time with people that remains at that surface level, whether it's casual sex for some people, or it's just attention, like you said, validation, company. But there's a different emergence that happens when you begin to build a relationship with someone right? It, 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 mm-hmm. it takes time to develop that. And I, and I always try to encourage people that time is one of the most important ingredients in creating that connection with someone. You can't just expect it to happen, you know, in, in, in a couple of weeks. That's more the, just the attraction and the desire, the lust element of it. But if you don't expect to put in that sort of investment of time with someone, then you're never going to find out those things that you need to align with them. Like what is their character? What is their personality? What are their lifestyle patterns? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just sort of take a snapshot on the, what they show in the beginning, because that's usually their best, their best foot forward or face forward. <laughs> you know, I, this, it makes me think of something that I've, I, these tangents or you know, relate to this, but, I think there's a, a sort of this modern perception, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right, but that love is very immediate. You have to say it that way. As I think about this, where you know, women like you know, women will have like these lists of things they want, 
even if that man appears before you, is he automatically going to fall in love with you or he just loves you and he loves you and you know, that's all there is to it. Um, you know, there's like a casualness to that, which is, I mean, it's kind of fascinating because when we talk about like relationships breaking down, was I really in love with them? You know, like well, you know, all the things, yeah, and like, and you, you know, this from working with people who are like, you know, the, like divorce, post divorce, where they can look back on this history of like, okay, from the beginning, this was off, this didn't work, this was incongruent. But now, five years later, 10 years later, it's only now that I really realize that looking backwards, you know, but in the moment of meeting them, did you just fall in love and like, okay, now that's supposed to remain perfect? So, I mean, there's sort of like this romanticization that even, even if you got that person that was the list, how does that guarantee a perfect relationship? Right. You know, and that, that that, I, I mean, I think that's the big incongruence. As I'm thinking about this, I'm like, <laughs> you have a list, and, but then what? Does that guarantee that they're going to think, you know, the world of you for 50 years? Like, how does that work? No. And, and that's the scary part is people being afraid of rejection or abandonment, right? Of, of that being a fleeting feeling, that, that love or that um, attention. And then you've invested all this, you know, openness with them and you've sort of unraveled to them, but then they change their mind because you feel like they're saying you're not good enough, right? That you're, mm-hmm. not, you're not lovable. And that's so painful for some people and and it doesn't have to be like you can you don't have to personalize it you can just sort of recognize that it wasn't a good fit that you got to a, a layer uh together where you realized uh it it wasn't ideal and for a life partnership you want to make sure that you have those elements in place uh and the way that i look at it is i use this little formula called it, it's love plus desire plus logic equals an ideal partner and so the love part is going to be that affinity and that, you know, sort of, I, I would say that it's, it's also the friendship, right? Like when you really enjoy someone and you look forward to talking to them and you want to spend time with them, that's going to be the affection and all of that. But the desire is the, the chemical, uh, the, the sexual polarity and the chemistry that you have, the lust that you bring to the table, that attraction and arousal. And the logic is the shared values and the lifestyle um, factors. And so a lot of people just sort of look at the desire or they look at um, the love, but they don't have this logical component. And I think it's important to have all three and give it time to develop because if you rush it, you might end up getting the rug pulled out from you uh, prematurely because it wasn't, it wasn't really all there. Yeah. So I mean, there's also, yeah, I've seen the, yeah, I mean, this is speaking personally, but I've, from past relationships when I've broken up with women, I think there's been disappointment, you know, on their part, not that, uh, not the relationship was terrible, but you know, I, I broke up for various reasons because I broke up because it wasn't going to be long-term. But I think, you know, for some of them in talking to them, like sort of like in the midst of the breakup or post breakup, there was this loss of an idealization of how they thought everything was going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was always interesting to me because I realized, you know, even for some like very short lived relationships, there was this attachment to sort of this vision of the future where, okay, I got a guy that checked all the boxes on my list. So now I'm going to have the perfect life. Um, and then that didn't happen. It's like, Oh, okay. Well now, you know, what are you really upset about that? That I broke up with you? I, oh, that's totally understandable. Like, yeah, breakups are hard, but you're also dealing with sort of that loss of the story that you told yourself preconceived mm-hmm. before you ever got into a relationship that this is sort of how the book will be written. You know, um, you know, what, you know, chapters one, two, three, four, five, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, yeah. And that, I mean, that was always interesting to me too, as well, because I realized, you know, relationships on some level, oftentimes, you know, whether, I don't know whether this is good or bad, but they can very much be a projection where you meet somebody and you're not necessarily falling in love with them. You're not necessarily getting to know them, you know, on the levels you just said, where you're, you know, logically developing a relationship, you're like a friendship, you have the desire. It's, it's none of that. It's an idea that you have how you want a relationship to go, hopefully. You meet someone that you think is sort of going to be that character in your book, and then mm-hmm. now you're, now they're the character. You know, and now a lot of the issues that arise in the relationship are not necessarily about them. It's that they're not following how you want them to act according to what you're writing for them. Yeah, and all this happens without them ever knowing it. So you're sort of making like what, uh, what Ryan Stone says, my buddy. Uh, you know, like you have all these covert contracts mm-hmm. where it's like you're going to behave and act and be these things. And you don't know this, but I know this because you're that person who, you know, like I said, you know, fulfilled all the things that I wanted. 
one of the ways I usually try to um, impart to people is, you know, when you're in a good relationship with someone, when you are thinking about what you can do for them, when you can be selfless to them, when you want to do something to pleasure them, to make them happy, to make them comfortable, to take care of them. And that's the opposite of what you just described, right? You're talking mm -hmm. about someone else filling their dreams, fulfilling their dreams for them and, and their projections of what they think a good life looks like. So when it's, when you're trying to sort of guide or mold someone into this idea of who you think you should be with, that's usually a bad sign. And, and the opposite would be true. If you are saying, what can I do for them? Or how can I build something? Maybe you don't know what the outcome will be, but you want to, to sort of like for a woman, it's following their lead that you admire the man. Uh, and not just because he's six foot tall and wealthy, but because of, of what he stands for. And, and like you said, with the character, the way of being, and you're motivated to really put in the work and the time and the investment into that relationship and into that life together. If you're just expecting it to happen to you, like to be gifted, that, that's very selfish and, and immature. Well, I mean, that, that's the magical thinking sort of aspect where, so I, I, I wanted to go through this actually like, like sort of trait by trait because I thought this, you know, sort of what we were talking about, this is like, you know, talking about a list. So here's like a list. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is, this is a uh, young lady that I know who I've known actually for quite a while. We used to be coworkers and I'll, you know, let her remain anonymous, but she was uh, talking with me about, she's trying to date. And I told her, well, I do, I do know a lot of single guys and like, you know, what kind of you know, guy are you looking for? You know, do you have like a, you know, some idea? And she sent me a list, which is like, like the, like it's a very stereotypical like millennial woman, you know, gro you know grocery list. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll just read it off. It was over okay. six feet tall, which okay, <laughs> educated, whatever educate means, great career, whatever great career means, great foundation, whatever great foundation means, independent, which okay, uh, has hair on head, so she doesn't want anyone that's bald, which okay, fine, uh, has to be athletic. Hates skinny guys, wants a nice smile, and he has to have a great personality. And yeah, I mean, none of these things are unreasonable. But the you know, the the thing that cracked me up is uh, because I asked her afterwards, like, well, how would you want yourself described? And then she just sent me a questioning face and didn't reply and <laughs> didn't know how to answer the question um, <laughs> at all. But the, you know, the thing about the list is I was looking at it was I mean, these are all things like like we said, like on the on a superficial level, they seem reasonable but they don't necessarily mean anything um like when you take a trait like over six feet tall is pretty obvious like i obviously women like tall guys okay but when you take like a trait like educated like you know and i've asked women this before because i've seen this before like what does educate mean you know, this is for all like the women they're listening like what does educate mean if you say that you want this from a man does that mean intelligence does that mean that he's really smart and you you know sort of are dazzled by his brilliance does that mean that he has a degree and it's just a degree and you can say my husband I don't know is a doctor like what what is that what is that quality actually in part of the person I know a lot of very intelligent men or know of a lot of very intelligent men that are absolutely socially inept and not very engaging and charming so I think this idea of being educated or wealthy successful I mean it kind of describes it's almost like the, the shell of a person, like this mm -hmm. robot. But uh, who is, you know, who, who is the person inside the shell? Like you need to know what kind of personality and, and what you gel with. And the best answer would be almost a, a reflection of the person herself, right? Like if she was, if you, when you asked her the, that question, if she said, well, I'm a very active person, I like to be outside and go to the gym and I eat really well. So I want someone who's going to share those sort of, you know, lifestyle factors with me and I'm religious or I'm not or, uh, but there's none of her in there at all. No, no, that's, yeah. And that's, that's funny too, because I know her and she actually is, she, she is a very selfless person. She is like, she is, she's very giving. She is kind hearted. Um, you know, like she, she's physically active, like she, you know, she she has that quality to her where she's like a very uh, sort of vivacious that way. But the, you know, that was interesting to me that she couldn't actually describe herself at all to a man. Like she actually she couldn't do it. Um, you know, then like you know, you know, we talked about this before we started recording. But uh, like I realized like why she probably was having problems dating, <laughs> or like why it's been so difficult. Uh, you know, since like despite you know her own you know 
fine qualities, and, you, know, um, you know, what she has going for her, you could say, she can't actually sort of see that in anybody. Nor, and then it makes me question too, like, you know, this is the thing, you know, when it gets sort of like, you know, like I almost say like brass tacks to use a really bad phrase, but you know, how are you actually presenting yourself to people and trying to get to know them? Um, you know, you may be, you know, for a lot of young women, I think they sort of, they, they, they do two things. They both spend too much time with sort of, they waste time on people who are like, nothing's going to happen, but they also put up a wall, they, they put up a wall you know, without realizing it at times, you know, in regards to actually getting to know someone on a personal level. Mm-hmm. They're sort of playing that, they're, they're playing that shell game. Yes. And it's, it's very hard to be transparent, you know, to be vulnerable um, and, and, you know, vulnerability may be a little bit different for men, but I think it's just really showing your flaws and, and being honest about them and realistic. And when you are able to go through those difficult conversations or experiences with people, that's why one of the things that I've, you know, you suggest as well is going through something um, novel, like traveling, where there would be stress or tension. Uh, you can tell a lot about a person's personality. How do they resolve conflict? How do they problem solve? How do they manage difficult situations, disappointments? That That is about character, you know? And, and I think that's um, much more important and valuable than a, a laundry list like that is giving some kind of indication to you know, the type of person being kind, um, you know, when they are friendly with strangers or, you know, you're not necessarily um, arrogant or you contribute to the community or something like that. You can get a lot more with those types of characteristics or indicators of, of those types of characteristics than, yeah, the outside superficial stuff. So being able to um, just be honest about the things that maybe yeah, that are flaws in your character or things that you would consider weaknesses. Um, we all have them, but mm-hmm. when you're able to be accepted for them, that's usually a good sign in the relationship, right? Yes. But I, th- I think, and, you know, that's a good point that you have to backtrack a little bit, but before you get to that stage sometimes, and, and this is the, the frustration that adult, like younger, younger young women have, like they're in their early 20s trying to date, is I've raised for a lot of women there's still, and this is like a very you know, like feminine thing. Like there's that sentiment, that inclination to want to people, please. Like you want people to like you. You want people to, you know, you don't want people to dislike you. But when you apply that to getting to know someone where you're trying to make them like you, or you're mm-hmm. sort of, you know, in a way, not hiding, but, you know, and the attempt to sort of get along with them and be the girl they, they like, uh, you end up not really necessarily being honest about yourself, or you're not honest about the way you feel towards them you create this situation that, you know, if you're trying to get to even this Noah guy at the very beginning, uh, you're not being, you're not being genuine. You're not. You're trying to act a certain way, hoping that he'll like you back. And, you know, for a lot of men, if they're doing the exact same thing, whatever you two think you create, it's not really real, or at least it's not real on a substantial level. Right. And, and, And again, that takes time. So being able to, I guess a woman should shift a little bit. I think it's important for her to want to fit into the man's life. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if she admires who he is and how he lives and what he does, then it's okay if she still hasn't quite figured out who she is 100%, right? If she still has some ambiguous characteristics and then she says, well, I really admire that about you and how you carry yourself and that's something that i would like to internalize for me Mm. and then that sort of creates a a a modeling for her i think that's okay it it doesn't work in the opposite direction like if a man does that for a woman it's usually dysfunctional but if if a woman admires a man so much that she wants to sort of rise up to his level i think that can work yeah, well, yeah, that's, I've talked about this before, um, and this is something that yeah, I always, I, that I, makes me sympathetic to women because I know it's very lacking in sort of the modern dating market, but most men today don't really lead at all. Like, they sort of, they, they have that, what I always call, like, the mommy-girlfriend kind of complex, now, which is sort of like, you know, it's sort of like a transformation like the Oedipus complex, where they look for the women to sort of, like, make decisions, lead, like, they, they, there's no direction on their part where they're assertive at all. They have like positive aggression where 
everything is going to be determined by how she behaves or they're always reacting to her. Mm. And this, this is like right, the frustration a lot of women have, which I'm sympathetic to, where they try to meet guys, this in general, and the guys don't really do anything. You know, like, the, you know, like even the conversation is very sort of this one side of like, well, what's he going to do? But he's sitting there sort of like on his phone, like, well, what's she going to do? Because based upon what she does is what I'll do. <laughs> right. um, and so it, it creates this dynamic where like they're the ones that are, you know, like preferably wearing the pants and leading the conversation, leading whatever the interaction is, whatever the relationship is at all. And it's really frustrating. And then, I mean, I've seen this too where girls like, it's like that running joke of like, oh, like I'm, I'm taking care of my boyfriend or it's like, you know, it's like having like a child. Um, you know, like the worst cases, you know, but, you know, for a lot of younger guys, even for older men, that's always sort of a big awakening moment for them that I've seen over and over again, where they realize that, you know, in all their interactions with women they ever had, they were never the one leading the interaction at all. They were just waiting on her, hoping, they were hoping that she'd like them. And then based off of her liking them, they try to act in such a way that she'd continue liking them. Um, and surprisingly, you can actually ride that really, really, really far. Yeah, sometimes even into a marriage, but she never really likes you back in a way that uh, I guess you'd say would be healthy. Yeah, and I think men are more comfortable with leading sexually than all the other things, right? Like mm. being more assertive with planning things, being creative, having passion, romantic, all those other bells and whistles I think are so important. Um, and just literally like the personal development stuff, mm -hmm. um, whether you're a reader or you like to go and, and participate in various events or activities, explore the world, like those types of things are really important uh, examples of how to lead in as a man in the relationship. But they really just focus on the, the sex, you know, of, of leading her to the bedroom or bringing out the sexual energy. And that's just, I mean, it is the glue. I get it. And mm -hmm. I agree but there's so many other ways for a man to lead that they just seem very disconnected on. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's sort of like a, you know, maybe somewhat akin sort of like that. <laughs> I find this hysterical. Always, but it's like the, um, the fuck boy phenomenon where you like meet a guy, you know, like I, you know, women like love to complain about this. It, it's funny, but meet a guy, we had sex, but then that, that's it. That's all it was. And he doesn't call me back. You know, or, or the relationship is just sex, but it's not like, you know, it's not for his benefits, it's just sex. And there's nothing outside of that. And you know, I, I talked to a young lady recently where she went on a date with like a like guy like twice. And the whole duration of both dates, his sort of his focus was like, are we going to have sex? You know, like if she kept like, it was like everything like led back to the bedroom. And she didn't know him and she felt comfortable having sex with him. And she was very taken aback and she sort of gave him like two chances and said like, okay, like forget this. And mm -hmm. she messaged me and she asked me like, why do you, and she was like, she was like, she was young too. She's like 20. She's like, why does every young guy do this where we meet and nothing, everything's about sex and nothing is about anything else. And it's a really huge turnoff because, you know, you know, let's just say she's trying to be a good girl. She's like, I don't want to have sex with someone immediately. One, but two, like there's, that's not anything that's like actual, like enjoyable interaction at all. It just puts mm -hmm. this pressure on everything. And it makes them seem really boring, which I thought was actually interesting that she said that. She's like, it makes every guy seem really boring where it's like, okay, you all just want sex. She's like, is that it? Is that like all that men do? And like when they try to talk to women, is it just, is it just sex? And obviously she's young, but uh, you know, the guy she, she's dating are in her age bracket. But I've seen that too with like with most men. Mm -hmm. Like that, that just becomes like their God that leads them. Like, am I going to get laid? Yes, no. And yeah, yeah, on the level of like, you know, a woman being attracted to you beyond the sexual aspect, that's, that's very remedial. There's nothing about it. The thing that draws women to men that I've seen as I've gotten older is not that men want to have sex with them. That, that's a given. Every woman wants, every, every woman realizes that when she's 16 that guys think about sex. There's nothing you know, special about that. But as I've gotten older, what I've seen is so attractive is when you see men that sort of they have their own life, they lead themselves, they make their own decisions, irrespective of what women are doing, they're not worried about whether a woman is going to be into them or not. Even on a date, they're outcome independent right. that way. They're just yes. enjoying the interaction because they're just enjoying the interaction. Um, you know, and it's been interesting for me as I've gotten older and sort of been put into a position with like being a leader of men, that women are really attracted to men that lead men and have male friends and are doing things that are sort of like substantial making a mark upon the world. And that yeah. makes a woman you know, be very you know, sexually attracted to you. 
Um, and that has nothing to do with whether you are into her or not. She just sees someone like, oh, that's desirable. That's, that's successful. That's someone where, okay, he has some actual, some quality to him, you could say. Um, you know, and then if you, hopefully, if you have that outcome independence where you bring that to your interactions, the dynamic shifts are where there's actually genuine desire. It's not you trying to satisfy a sexual itch because, you know, as I say often, you know, derisively, but I think honestly, like a lot of men have that mentality when they're 15, but like they're 30 and they're still hoping like, I hope the girl likes me and maybe, you know, maybe I'll see her naked later. Like if that's still your sort of like MO, you know, a decade after you're out of high school, uh, yeah, things are not going to go well for you. <laughs> that is a, a, a very common misperception. And my contention that I have with the PUAs, the pickup artists, because they tend to focus on that as the outcome and the measure of their masculinity and the viability of that connection with the woman. But they're missing a lot of this other stuff. And so I, I usually reframe it the same way that you just said, is just focusing on being a man that's developing himself, that's never satisfied with who he is today um, or yesterday. Like he's always building himself and trying to be better and striving for whatever goals that he has, leading himself, leading other people, being an example. All of those elements are far more attractive to women than the outside appearance of a man. You know, men have a lot more leeway with their physical appearance. I mean, they want him to be healthy and fit, robust and, and, and a viable um, person to, to partner with. But I think the specifics are, 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 are not as important. And when women fixate on those things, I always know that there's a disconnect going on with them. They have yeah, no idea what, what really makes them happy. Mm. Yeah, well, I think with, with the PUAs, the, the myopia I've always seen is, yeah, on some level, it's understandable that for guys, well, well, one, the men that have always been, I think, historically drawn to that are the men who are always very unsuccessful with women just in general. So there is that sort of deification of like, if there, there's a deification of sex, you know, which like, I, you, know, you it's it psychologically, it's pretty easy to grasp. Like, okay, why are, why do you guys, why are they drawn to that? They're not getting laid, basically. And if they could just get laid, life would be better because it, there's no sex in their life. Okay. Um, but I think the thing that never gets accounted for is that if you build sort of your, you know, personality around that where, okay, I'm going to learn how to run social scripts, verbal scripts where they sort of hack like the mental hardware of like, okay, they make the woman desire me, at least in the short term. And yes, I get sex afterwards. On a, you know, very, on a basic level, you're objectifying the woman as a sexual object, which you could, whether that's morally moral, whatever, but you are, because that's all that you want. But whatever gets inserted is that you're making yourself a sexual object. So you, you have no intention of having a relationship. You have no intention of actually the interaction being anything beyond sex and that's it. And there's never that consideration of the man's part that women manipulate men too. You know, or women also can objectify men. You know, if mm -hmm. your entire operative goal to life is I need to have sex with as many women as possible, or just I have to have sex with women because I do, because that's what makes me a man. You know, so she's a body to you. You're also just a body to her. You know, especially if you're, you know, for a lot of these guys, they're so you know, emotionally stunted, sort of crippled that they have complete, they have a complete inability to have any kind of relationship beyond a sexual encounter. And then, you know, the, what, I, what has happened, I think, in like Man of Spear, like the last <laughs> years, you've seen guys that have gotten older. It's like, I'd actually would like to love somebody or have someone love me, but I have no idea actually how to proceed with that. Or, you know, I've, get, I've gotten guys contacting me many times where they're having you know, what they will call like I'm having casual sex, but it doesn't make me feel good because one, I realize that this is, it's actually not that hard to have sex. It's not, you know, assuming that you're reasonably physically fit and just not socially fucktarded. It's actually not that hard to have sex. <laughs> so they're having sex, but it's like, okay, like, yeah, I like I, my notch count has gone up, but now I kind of feel like I'm just, you know, like women are just things for me to fuck. I'm just kind of a dick for them to get on top of. And, this hasn't really made me happy. Like I realized whatever void I had or whatever dissatisfaction I have myself, like I checked off the box of sexuality and I'm still, I, like, I still feel incomplete. I still feel like I'm a whole person. It seems like it's a reaction to the dead bedroom syndrome and people completely ignoring the biological and, and intersexual dynamics that got us here. But now, you know, we've definitely focused way too much on that. And, and it's important to recognize that 
relationships and, you know, whether it's marriage or long-term relationships have the whole package and do create that sense of, of legacy and fulfillment and everything that we really need as human beings with the togetherness, um, building something. But if it's with the wrong person and, oh, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> um, when, when it's with the wrong person, then you are going to be left unfulfilled and unsatisfied and you're going to resent the fact that your spouse or your partner is not desiring you that there is a dead bedroom problem and maybe you can't fix it and it does feel like it's obligatory sex that's a horrible feeling and so people do then end up getting out there and just focusing on being desired physically but without all of the other intimacy it, it's 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 just it's not it's gonna be lackluster right it's gonna be short-lived very, very you know, maybe it's like you know, there's a dead bedroom and there's also um yeah, I think for like for the the, the guys who are unsuccessful dating, you call it like the empty bedroom. You just yeah. you just want somebody in there with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I mean I know that the current state they're saying that people are not having sex, that young people are not having sex and they're just at home on their screens and there's all this porn and all of that gaming and everything. It's all very impersonal. So we definitely want to fix that. But I think looking at intimacy as a sort of comprehensive construct versus just about sex is going to be where the solutions are and recognizing that healthy relationships are possible. Like this is not some sort of idealistic fantasy that relationships can't be happy, healthy and, and, and wise basically. Right. So having examples of that is really important. And I think I said that to you one time about, you know, we need these examples of passion and romance and, and real love out there. But a lot of times, I mean, not to sort of use social media to, to project this image of a happy relationship, but I think it, it, it matters more from the home, like your family, seeing a happy family in your household is really going to be helpful for you developing those types of healthy bonds as an adult, as you grow up too. Right. But mm -hmm. if you don't have that exposure to healthy and successful relationships, then, and you don't see it in other places, then it can be hard to, to recognize that it is, it's, it's actually quite common to have, you know, ha happy relationships and successful ones. Yeah. It, yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not as uncommon as people think, but that is that issue what you just said where, yeah, I've seen this with, like, with a lot of like the men, especially the young men, where they've never actually seen a man who you know they could say is like what I call like the man capital M. They don't know any man that actually has, like let's say like is successful with women, is complete in regards to like his personal development, um, is you know sort of like you see like, like has like that that the, the balance of masculinity and femininity where he is sort of like apt in both markets or you know or both realms I should say. Like they've never seen that. They sort of they see caricatures of like what they think a guy is. They might see media representation. They might encounter somebody online that fulfills something like very extremely. But there's no there's there is no one that they know that actually is complete. Where they could say like, wow, that guy is a role model. He has himself together physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, like he like he loves women. Like that's a, that's a <laughs> positive for him. Right. Uh, yeah, like he. Yeah. How should I say? Sort of like that. I want to say paragon of masculinity. But he's sort of like is that idolized kind of person. Like they've not, they haven't seen that, and they don't know what that looks like. So they gravitate towards this like very extreme characters they, that they think are that. Yeah, I always tell people the people who are happy are home, minding their own business. So we don't see them, but what they see are like the people like Tate, right, <laughs> Andrew Tate. Who I'm not, I'm not bashing Andrew at mm -hmm. all, but that's the example that is visible for a lot of men and you know i think that's less than one percent of the world it, it re he represents but um it would be nice to see more of the family men being family men not necessarily projecting it on a, like a sort of tv screen um, romanticized version but mm -hmm. just the normal boring day-to-day -day intimacy and commitment that is required in a healthy relationship yeah, you know, it, it just reminded me where there was like something on Twitter a few weeks ago. I think I don't know what it was. It was I can't remember the account, but she was a it was a, it was a, it was, a it was a woman. She was asking like, how do you, yeah, you know, how do you how did you, how would you tell a girl that she's in a relationship with you? It was like a question. I realized like okay, she, like you know, I thought it was an odd question. Like, what do you mean? Like, how would you tell a girl she's in a relationship? With you? Like, you just you know, you say she's your girlfriend. Like, that's it. 
you know, and then, but she had all these questions. So she's like, well, you know, how do you like, yeah, do you manipulate her into that? Do you like, you know, do you, are you spinning plates? Are you like, it was all these sort of like internet kind of phenomenon. Like, yeah. no, I don't do any of that. Just if I, you're in a relationship with me, I tell you like, you're my girlfriend. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's how you know. It's not, it's not a game. Right. Um, yeah. And like, that was like, sort of like, I, I would say she's awestruck. Like that was surprising her. She's like, it's just, it's that straightforward. I'm like, yeah, it's that straightforward because it's honest. Like there's, there's not, it's not manipulation. It's just if someone is, you know, if you are in a relationship with somebody where it's like, okay, like I'm committed to you as a partner, however you want to say it, you say it. Yeah. And that's it. And no, it's not like the sort of like covert trap you're setting up. Um, you know, or this, I don't know, like this, this ambiguity of like, what are we like, Oh, don't ask me that question. Like you just say it. Uh, yeah. And like, yeah, that made me realize like how, how lacking, how, it made me realize how lacking directness is mm-hmm. like in like the dating marketplace. Like, you know, actually, actually saying what you mean and feel like that. That's yeah. a problem. There's a lot of fear about looking like you're the vulnerable one and not wanting to be the first to do this or whatever, but these things should happen naturally. And, and, and if you're with someone over a long period of time or you're you know, saturating your time with them, so even if you don't know them for a year, it, you're spending enough time with them that situations come up. And if someone asks you, you know, who this person is or who's attending with you and you stumble, you're not quite sure because you're worried about what they think and you're just overanalyzing, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, how do you feel? Well, that's my boyfriend or that's my girlfriend. And whether or not they would do it the same way, don't worry so much about that. I mean, that will happen too. But just, I think, be true to, to how you feel and what you want. You don't, you know, you'll have a natural response from the person eventually that, you know, you're not hiding it from them. But it is funny. People don't just say it like it is or reveal themselves. They're not very comfortable with that. And you reminded me, there was one, one person I was speaking to, working with, who literally said, they can have sex and they, you know, that goes well, but they don't know how to sit in the living room with someone. Like he literally was like, what do I do? Do I read? Do I watch television? Do I listen to music? Do we talk? People really don't know what, how to be with each other, like on that type of level. It's fascinating. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So when you say you don't have to do anything, you don't have to be anything different than who you actually are. It's about what do you do when you're sitting at home? And it should feel natural. If you don't feel natural, there should be a little bit of, you know, butterflies or nervousness or whatever, especially in the beginning with someone, but it should be an easy flow of things as you figure it out and you kind of like learn to dance together, right? Like that's what life is, is, is creating that, that harmony together. And that's the fun part. But definitely don't worry and overthink about what you should be doing and trying to act a certain way. That's just counterproductive. Very. Huh. That's a very good point. I mean, that's an amazing question that someone asked that. I, I, I could see that. I mean, I could see that. That is master. That, that's kind of the, I think, ideal that most people have. Maybe. But you have that, <laughs> well, you have that belief that you can meet somebody and you can just serve, you be yourself around them. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of like the idealization of like you can, you know, sort of like let, let the inner child out, to use that term, and you can just both be playful with each other. You know, just it feels fun and it's unforced. And you're not worried about, obviously, judgment on their part or vice versa. Uh, vice mm-hmm. versa. Uh, you know, I mean, whether people really ever find that, obviously, that's you know, everyone's big struggle. But I, I think that is the ideal for most people. You know, like it's hard of hearts if you're trying to dig in deep and ask them, like, what do you really want in a relationship? It's, you know, it's for both people to be them. Yes. And another indicator is, I mentioned this a little bit before, was just how you resolve things. If you're very resilient with the little hiccups and the little tips that happen along the way, if you can kind of drop the tension or the question, the doubt, whatever that negative emotion is, and then just be in the moment together and not hold grudges with each other. That's a really important factor. When you find that with someone, that you can still just enjoy each other and not have to prolong arguments or figure something out until, you know, you find the ultimate solution or predict the future or, you know, like I find women are much more neurotic in general, but it mm. could go, could, could go either way with men too. 
And that's usually an unhealthy relationship when you find that you just can't let things go and just enjoy each other's company after dealing with something. You know, it's, it's funny, like, I mean, women, obviously, I, I, women, I would say are more openly neurotic, right? Like, that's a very, <laughs> that's very curious for them. Like, you know, they freak out, nervous, anxiety, whatever. But I, I've raised a lot of men, too, are actually, you could say, sort of, like, quietly neurotic. They won't necessarily express it, you know, outwardly open. But, like, mm-hmm. internally, they can have a bunch of insecurities that are playing out in their head that they never verbalize or say or, you know, they never verbalize or say, but they might sort of, like, be acting by. Um, and that's, it's all, like, mentally contained. You know, sort of compartmentalized, but like that is happening. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just, I find that interesting as I, as I, I've talked to more men where like, yeah, women will act neurotic. Like, and you can see that men will be neurotic sort of internally, uh, whatever you want to call it, or male anxiety, wherever you want to say it. And they're trying not to sort of like show it, but it is sort of like at the core that is driving all their behavior. So then they're acting, you know, angry, irrational, weird. You know, like, this is like from the female perspective, like, why is he acting this way? I'm like, he might be really insecure and he's just not saying, he's not saying that, but that is sort of like the, um, you know, the impetus for like all of his current behavior. Yeah, that's true. I, I would definitely agree with that. And I usually sort of echo a lot of what you say in regards to that too, with men, when a man is anxious or sort of projecting or experiencing these neuroses, it's so important for him to transmute that into action, whether that's like you say, violence or, fitness, you know, pushing and pulling weights. Um, But just in a a broader sense, I say a man who's experienced anxiety or insecurity, whatever you want to call it, is a man who isn't satisfied with himself, right? So he needs to do more to develop himself, to be the man that he wants to aspire to be. Um, Mm. Yeah. That's that's very good. That's very good. (laughs) And I think that reflects in the relationship. Like if you're interested in a woman, you're thinking you don't deserve her, right? So instead of letting that anxiety or neuroses cloud, you know, create this fog around you, it's important to say, well, I'm just going to work hard, harder to be that man that I know I want her to admire, that man that I want to be. And just stop thinking about it and get into the action mode. That's a really good way of saying that. Yeah, I mean, I would say that the transcendent level, I think, is if you can, if a man can get himself to the stage where he is beyond the point of worrying whether he thinks that he deserves her. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, I don't want to say this is the difference between like alpha and beta, but you know, they're, they're, as as if a, if a man, if you mature and develop yourself properly, you eventually will hit a place where you don't have that doubt of, you know, do I do I deserve to be with her, or you know, does she really like me? You'll know that already. But yeah, I, I think most men never really get to that point. They're always, you know, maybe they try to get to that point, but they don't. Um, and they always sort of fall short of it, unfortunately. But that's a very good way of saying that with regards to the male anxiety. That you, you're recognizing a sort of a deficiency in yourself and you need, you need to do more. That's, that's really, really good. I'm going to remember that. I will quote you on that. <laughs> sure. We, we're working off of each other, you know. Yeah. It's, it's important to, to blend, I think, the things that work and do more of what works. Of reinventing the wheel. <laughs> so I was going to ask you to go back to like the list thing, since it's, I, had, uh-huh. I had shared we had this conversation even like you know so like a few days ago where I was where I, I sent I sent you that I'm like what would you you know kind of like what do you, what do you think of this with a girl that had the wrong list like what and you said like I would you you said like I would have been a lot harsher with her than <laughs> I was and I was pretty nice. Yes. You know, yes. so like I, I was I was curious about that. like what, what would you have said to her like you know if a woman came to that situation like you know uh, you know you know Taylor I'm really struggling dating here's my list of things I want in a man, like what would be your feedback? I mean, I, I, I probably would have said to her, I don't think you have any idea of what you want and what's going to make you happy. So we need to start from scratch mm. basically. And so then I would really explore with her who, like you said, who she is as a person, what is she doing in her life? What makes her um, happy and healthy and, and, yeah, just what is the life that she wants to to lead? And if she has no idea what she's going to be bringing to the table, if she's disconnected from her femininity, and if she's defensive about all of those things, then yeah, I mean, it's a whole deconstruction and then reconstruction that needs to happen. But if she's willing to, because a lot of times women have this more emas- or masculinization phenomenon happening where they need to be strong or stoic or 
whatever that is and getting in touch with that vulnerability and allowing them to be affectionate and need to be with a man. That is the resistance that you have to really work through. You know, it's a lot easier for them to put the order out there for some Prince Charming and say, yep, he, you know, is going to have all those things that she said. But when, yeah, like you said, what is, what is she bringing to the table that's going to make her deserve that? Right. Kind of like the, the Prince, I always get the names wrong. Is it Prince Harry and, and, and Meghan Markle or whatever? The new. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So like, what does she bring to the table? Or, you know, she got her prince, but, you know, maybe she's really not all that of a great catch for him, but that's a whole different story, I guess. <laughs> but if a woman wants to develop herself into the person that would attract the best man, what would she do? You know, she would be, <laughs> your list, she would be beautiful, she would be fit, she would be kind and caring and affectionate and selfless and um, be able to be nurturing and caring. Um, she's going to be responsible and be organized and be able to be clean and, and all of these things that we have rejected as women. Um, because that's the element of the relationship that the man won't be doing as much. Mm-hmm. I mean, he will be on some level cleaning the dishes or he's not going to be a complete slob. But I think it's important for a woman to see how those roles intersect and to accept that that's going to be important for her to be able to, to offer a relationship. Mm. Right. That, that's a really good reply. Huh? Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't, I did not ask her that obviously. I just, I sort of just laughed <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, you, yeah. I, mean, I, I just showed you the exchange. I'm like, well, how would you describe yourself? And it was just, I don't know. Well, you know, if you could list three things about yourself, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, yeah, but that's, I mean, as to your point, like you don't know what you really want. Yeah. That's really accurate. <laughs> And I think that's most young women today when it actually comes to like trying to find a serious relationship, like they they don't actually know. And I know what I didn't say, so I definitely want to put it out there is Mm -hmm. men want and women do too, but sometimes they don't like to say it, sex (laughs) Mm -hmm. and loyalty, right? That's really important. So a man is going to want someone who's desires them so much that they could have sex as often as possible, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that's, once a day, three times a day, once a week. I mean, there are times in, in your life where it's difficult to have sex every day, but um, they're going to want a woman who wants to have sex with them and who can get in the mood rather naturally, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be like an arduous, <laughs> tedious task to get those uh, you know, feelings to emerge. And men want to feel that a woman is, is loyal and dependable and that he doesn't have to question that about her. So I think a lot of women assume being aloof, playing hard to get, all of those things are what, what attracts men. And maybe in the beginning, there's a little bit of mystery that you don't want to put it all out there too quickly. But for the most part, a healthy man doesn't need you to play games with him, doesn't want you to be aloof. He wants you to be nurturing and he wants you to, to feel like he's important to you, right? That's a good point. I, I think I've, I've seen this a lot of women mistakenly do that where they, there is a such thing as, I don't want to say playing hard to get, but you want to have a way of like a filtering out where like, okay, is a guy like, are his, you know, are his intentions serious? Is this something where he actually wants to get to know me beyond the level of sex? Okay. So like measure, what I, what I've, I've told them before, like measure out your interaction, at least in the beginning where you know, like let it go in stages. Like you know, as you get more comfortable or even if you're really attracted to the guy, you know, and you want to make him wait or you, know, you want to sort of like emotionally like withhold, like, okay, you can do that. But if you're going to play sort of like the hard to get game where like you make yourself this very unavailable where he's sort of having to like track you um, mm-hmm. down. Yeah. For, yeah. And some of like, like, yeah. Are there guys that will do that? Sure. But you know, a man who has his life together and he actually is looking for something that is on any level serious, that that's a waste of his time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're really just projecting out that, one in a relationship, you're how should you say this? You're almost like being a guy. Like when women exactly. talk about men being like hard to get a hold of, oh, he's not calling me back, he's not texting me. Like the, the interaction is really spotty. You're doing the same thing. So, you know, like if you know, from my position, if I was single, I could go talk to someone who wants to talk to me and will reply to a text message. And yeah, I'll take you out, let's have fun. Or, can I, or, can I, or I, could, I could have someone who's inconsistent. Yeah, you know, maybe on her and she thinks she's doing something that's making me work. But on my end, I'm like, 
this is just like a, this is like one of my bros where like literally truly it is like, Hey man, what's up? Can you get back to me and such and such? I'm sure he'll get back to me within a week or so. I'm like, <laughs> that's how guys talk to each other where it's like, you don't right. know when you'll hear back. You don't know when you'll, when you will hear back. You just know that you will eventually. Mm-hmm. If you're doing that as a woman, that, that's a huge attraction killer or just, or just a turn off in general of like, I'm not wasting my time on this. Exactly. And, and I would, I would use the language of not hard to get, but selective. Mm, A man likes a woman to be selective and for him to feel like he's earned his position in her life a bit. Right. Um, So there's a, there it's nuanced difference, but it is a big difference because women who are staunch supporters of this playing hard to get strategy, I just disagree with them. And it's not about even playing the good girl wait three months to have sex either, but knowing that a woman has a, knows what she wants, knows who she is, and isn't going to accept just any old guy into her intimate, you know, into her body, into her life. Um, that's what he wants to know. This is, this is, I mean, I'm thinking about this right now. It's, it's, it's something that sort of like a paradoxical situation where if you're, if a woman's doing that, she's playing, let's just say like the hard to get game, mm-hmm. you sort of have three things happen. You'll have those instances, let's say, where she will still have one night stands sort of like the casual sex with, if she meets a guy who just sexually lights her up that way, maybe randomly, it's like, all right, I'll go sleep with him immediately. Yeah. Like maybe that happens and maybe that does turn into a relationship. Maybe it doesn't. Yeah, but like I've seen that where I think more often than not women, more often than not women end up feeling used by that more than they feel you know, empowered by it. So like you might have that situation happen, maybe. Yeah, you know, or you have a situation where the kind of guy that you want that would sort of be like the idolized, you know, what you think is the idolized like great guy, that guy is actually not going to waste time on your hard to get game. The guys that you will attract though are the more quote unquote beta ish guys where they're going to keep trying to buy for your attention over and over and over and over and over again, and maybe you reward them with it, but then you end up resenting them. You know, or you get the situation where I see this all the time in LA where it's sort of this classical complaint, like the women, the guys that I really like, they, are, they never like me. And then the guys I don't like, they're the ones that keep trying to, you know, text me, call me back. And it's like, and they don't know why it's happening. Yeah. It can be tricky knowing, you know, how to date or how to pace dating so that you don't, um, sort of break the ice and have sex and then lose interest. And then you're, you know, if you do that too many times, you're not selective, right? Mm-hmm. So it's important to, I think, use other ways of becoming familiar with people. I mean, the really technical term for that is triangulation, right? You use different types of, <laughs> of documentation and observation. So your phone calling, your video calling, your texting, you're looking at their social media. I think that's why Twitter is so valuable for vetting because you hmm. see a person in their natural habitat online and oh, how God. they interact <laughs> on their, I know people accuse me of being too scientific sometimes but no 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 I'm, I'm, just, just, <laughs> like, no, I'm just saying it's a little like using Twitter like Twitter I think I, use, I mean I met my girlfriend through Twitter or she found me I should say since I, I didn't she, like she she contacted me I didn't contact her uh, funny mm-hmm. enough story you know she, she she slid into my dms <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, Twitter is a thing. So that's actually interesting. I mean, you, you could see how people sort of their ego, super ego does behave if they have a Twitter account, which may be a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, like it's going to be honest either way. Exactly. And, uh, you know, you want to have the face to face interaction as soon as possible. Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be right away, but you want to have the face to face interaction soon, but having a paced um, system so that you're not back to back, just learning about someone face to face, because that's going to increase the chances of having sex with them uh, before they've really passed your vetting. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's how you have to, to be mindful and play that. Um, and I think I was talking to Anastasia online. She was like, I don't understand the difference between waiting, making a man wait for sex and vetting. And so I explained it that vetting is the system where, if, if you're going to have sex with someone, mm-hmm. it's going to be someone you're comfortable being exclusive with because they've passed your, your vetting layers. If you're not comfortable having sex with them, then it ends. <laughs> right? So that shouldn't be common sense. Well, you know, this has always been my like personal sort of like practice this day. And so, yeah, I mean, I've lived in LA, obviously, like on off for quite some time. 
Um, women that are, and I can always tell this with women where, I mean, I'm going to use a journalist term, like good girl, bad girl kind of thing. We're like, is, is this a girl who actually like vets guys where she's actually like filtering out who she wants to be with? And she has some, does she actually have a standard for the men that she dates or is she a woman like the way I phrase it? Does she just lead with sexuality for a lot of women? I think that they've gotten it in their head that if they want a guy to have any interest in them, they immediately have to have sex with them first. And then that captures his attention, but having sex with them immediately like if you lead with that in the interaction where like the guy already know from, knows from the outset where I already know, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be easy. Like what I call a lay down. I'm like, this is a lay down situation. All I have to do is basically just not be dumb and I will get laid at the end of the night. And like, it's that easy. But I also know I'm like, this is a girl that what I'm, I'm never going to date her because she probably has been with a ton of guys Two, She has no idea how to be in a relationship. Three, she probably has, you know, probably either poor self-esteem or doesn't have a developed sense of self. And four, her way of how she thinks that you get along with men is I let them fuck me and then hopefully they like me enough that they keep texting me after I got fucked. And like, but and then this is also going to be the girl that I know is going to be really frustrated with like, why can't I find a guy? You know, well, you know, on one level you could say, well, stop sleeping with everybody that you meet. But on another level, I'm like, look at how you think of yourself and how you think men relate to you. Like you've mm -hmm. got it all screwed up, way screwed up. Yeah, and now we have the PUAs reinforcing this by saying, if a woman makes you wait, then you're not alpha enough, and she's telling you that you're not really masculine enough, so it's a bad match anyway. So it's just putting more pressure on now these red pill aware women who are trying to hold on to an alpha. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what, that's one of the, the, the red pill hypocrisies that I always find hysterical where like you, it's this idea, like if you're going to, you know, preach this thing of like women need to control their sexuality, hypergamy, you need, you need to restrain yourself and not be a whore. Okay. Don't be a fucking <laughs> whore. Don't sleep with everybody. The first meet them. Okay. Don't be a whore. Okay. Like don't be a whore then. So I'm going to not sleep with guys on the first date. Even if I'm really into them, like I'm actually going to like, get to know them and make sure that they actually you know, have like a real interest in me. I'm going to do these things. Oh, okay. Like good. That's great. But you know, hypocritically, well, if you don't fuck me the first date, you're not worth it. So fuck you. I'm like that. Yeah. Makes, that makes absolutely zero <laughs> sense. That makes no <laughs> sense at all. None. Yes. None. Correct. <laughs> um, no, I mean, not to turn this into a red pill shit fest, but I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of holes in the, in the ideological shit that gets thrown around online. A lot. So, and it comes back to, and I'm really trying to be this, this middle ground between mm -hmm. the red pill men and, and, and women. It comes back to, we have different strategies. We do. And women need to recognize that we just need to be exclusive when we're not sure. Women now, modern women oh, feel that <laughs> women, modern women feel that they should not give commitment unless they're getting commitment or have that sort of security there, which obviously that's the, the desired outcome, but that's what an alpha man wants to feel is that, you know, he can have her, but she will not be with anybody else. So if you're going to have sex with the man, make sure that you know him well enough that you would choose a, to be exclusive to him, but also even if, if, if depending on your belief systems, we should get back to the point where pregnancy is a risk factor. And so if you can't imagine the man as worthy enough to be the father of your child, why are you having sex with him? You know, that's really simple and that's really direct. I really like that. Huh. <laughs> I, I mean, I've wondered that myself, like obviously I'm not a woman. I'm like, what would I, you know, like I'm trying to, you know, when I think about giving advice I'm like, yeah, there's certain things that I just, I can't quite grasp since I don't have, yeah, I'm not that gender, but I'm like, that's, that's a really good system. Hmm. Huh. So whatever it takes to find out whether you think he would be, make a good father, that might be different for each person depending on their personality. But if you can't answer that question for yourself, then you need more information. <laughs> or maybe he's just move on to the next person. That's really good. That's really, really good. I have to, I'm going to think about that one. That's a really good way of saying that. Huh. Yeah, that, that's excellent. Um, <laughs> Huh. Have we do you, have we answered your questions or the the topics that yeah I think you so. I think no I think so I'm like no that, that what you just said I'm like because I've had women ask me like well, what, what, like they've asked me like well how would you suggest I apply like a filter vetting something system like how should I think about it? I'm like 
that's a really, really good way to think about it. And I've, I've never actually thought of that, but like that makes perfect sense. I've seen that with women where, I mean, I, I've had that with, with like, you know, with female friends of mine where like someone that they were with, they, I mean, this is like a tragic situation, but like they got, they got pregnant, they got an abortion. Um, and then they like, they couldn't figure out like, why is the guy so upset that I got an abortion and like the relationship, like this goes to hell and it ends. I'm like, well, because you rejected, you didn't just reject the idea of being pregnant. Like you rejected him. Yeah. And also like, you know, too, it's like, why were you with somebody that you would, yeah, I understand like the, the issues around like, okay, having kids, like it's not ready, blah, blah, blah. Why were you, why were you with somebody where you would never want to have children with them? You know, like, why were you having sex with them? So I'm going to have to think about that one for a while. That's a really, really good point, Taylor, or just really, really good system. Um, so, I mean, we've been talking for over an hour and 20 minutes now, and I think we answered the questions that I think we had to be getting uh, in depth. So, I mean, relative to, like, the audience listening, though, um, I'm sure a lot of them probably already know who you are. But where can people find you? How can they get in touch with you? Well, Twitter is a really great place to find me. I'm there usually every day. Uh, so it's at Taylor Burroughs with an E in my last name. And my website is another place that people can find me. So that's um, drtaylorburroughs.com. Easy enough. And then, you know, sort of like as a clarification, what kind of, what, what kind of work do you do with people in regards to them contacting you for therapeutic health right. counseling? Yeah, I get this a lot because people are unsure. Someone said that they thought all online coaches were frauds. So I think people do need some reassurance. I'm actually a trained mental health professional and marriage mm -hmm. and family therapist. That's why it's Dr. Taylor Burroughs. I have a PhD <laughs> in marriage and family therapy for real, mm -hmm. but now I'm working solely online. So I've kind of left the formalized therapy world and I'm doing online coaching, but relationship counseling, basically life coaching, it's all based on my mental health experience. Gotcha. All right. Very, very good. So the website and the Twitter handle, is there anything else you want people to follow you on at all or? Instagram is good too. Instagram? I know okay. we're both trying to grow our Instagram, yeah. so it looks the same, <laughs> at Taylor Burroughs. So you can find me there too. Awesome. All right, Taylor. Thanks, Alexander. No it problem. was great today. Yeah, that was really good talking to you and I hope the uh, audience enjoys it talk again. All right. Ciao. Ciao.